You don't see it, do you? How close we are to absolute chaos? The sick ones are sitting on their fat masses, eating and drink themselves into a stupor, polluting the world without a second thought while it goes down the toilet. Nobody wants to do the nasty work. You know, the shit that we all just think about. Most good citizens are just along for the ride and then bitch and moan and complain about everything when it doesn't work out. Not me. Get it coming. Revolution Radio, where we do the nasty work. www.freedomslips.com Thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. If you plan to call in and speak with one of our hosts, please turn down your radio and separate yourself from any background noise and wait for the area code to be called on before you speak. And don't forget, Revolution Radio freedomslips.com is listener supported. So stop by the homepage freedomslips.com, visit the site support area to help support the host you're listening to's airtime. Thank you. Revolution Radio freedomslips.com where the truth never sleeps. We're in a narco-syndicalist commune. We're taking in turns to act as a sort of executive officer for the week. Yes. But all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting. Yes, I see. By a civil majority in the case of purely internal affairs. Be quiet. But by a two-thirds majority in the case of more Be quiet. I order you to be quiet. Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look. Just a flesh wound. I don't believe I am. seen such a display of courage, skill, nerve, grace. I'll do you for that. What? Come here. What are you going to do? Bleed on me? I'm invincible. You're a loony. A black knight's always triumph. Welcome one, welcome all, and it is that time for Roundtable Live here at RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com. Be rolling on until 4 a.m. in the morning Eastern time. New ideas, different hosts every night, different subjects every night. You never know what's going to happen right here at the Roundtable Live. King Arthur has nothing on us. We're going round and round. Okay, good morning. Um, wherever you are in the world, it's it's nine o'clock here, which means it's the middle of the night in the States, about 4 a.m., I think, on the East Coast. Uh, this is the Free Association Roundtable. It's the second week, so we're just getting kind of organized and sorting things out. It's going to take a couple of weeks to to get established. So I've got uh, I've got a couple of people here, but uh, well, Freedom Warriors here, but not here at the moment. And I've got Leon Benjamin here. So I met Leon about 17 years ago, I think, uh, on a an online networking platform, a business networking and 
in its day social networking as well. I think it was uh, an early precursor of all of those types of things. A place called Academy, which I wandered into uh, as a result of a meeting at a business networking place called Rise, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Academy doesn't exist anymore either. That was that was sold and became something else. I don't know what happened to Rise, um, but I met the the guy I met at Rise, pointing me in the direction of Academy. I can't remember. I know no idea what his name was. I think he was a German guy, uh, but he sent me off to Academy, and I kind of I kind of settled there. It became my it became my second home. I think I went to a lot of networking meetings over the the course of the next few years. But one of the people I met was Leon Benjamin, and Leon was doing, uh, I might get this wrong, Leon, but uh, as far as I remember, you were doing uh, management consulting around building communities. Would that would that describe what you were doing, or, is that, or was it something else? Yes, uh, it was an uh, education. Training a business to communicate. Uh, we call them kingdom for sure. And so, building these communities, uh, we would teach business principles along with uh, exercising one's uh, spirituality and faith um, and bringing bring that together to build community. So, we call yeah, so it kingdompreneur. Kingdompreneur. So, it's uh, providing products and services. Uh, honoring the king, uh, promoting the kingdom, um, while uh, producing these products and services for profit, while honoring the king. Of course, king the king is King Jesus. So, uh, in my particular uh, venue, uh, promoting community was also helping to promote businesses and, and the faith as well. So it was kind of it was one of the things that I that I was doing. At the time, I, I went in as an astrologer clairvoyant, which was probably a very stupid thing to do, but that's what I was doing at the time. So, <laughs> so it, made, it immediately made me stick stick out a little bit from the crowd, I think. Particularly the first meeting, I think Thomas Power, who was the guy, guy who was running it, was calling on people to stand up and introduce themselves. And so within about 20 minutes, I stood up and introduced myself to a group of 200 people. Which, yes. is, which is out of my comfort zone, to say the least. But it was there was yes. quite a lot of merging of business and spirituality in the academy. It was one of the things that happened over there. And yeah, interesting I, I, combination of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a correlation between business, spirituality, and community economics, and. Uh, Sometimes we, we we try to do do one without the other, but you know it's like building a triangle, you know, and causing all sides to join and to come together. So you know, with faith, you have economy, and then uh, you attach the economy on to uh, I call it joy or peace, which is the community, um, because uh, you can't build in war, 
he has to build his peace. <laughs> so the word the word peace comes from a Hebrew word shalom, which means uh, nothing missing, nothing broken. So um, kind of difficult to build when everyone's fighting. Yeah, that that's very true. Your your volume's a little bit low, Leon. Is there any way you can you can adjust your phone or yeah, can you hear me now? Is this a little bit better? Yeah, it's a little bit better. That that should be all right. You should be all okay. right. It was just fading in and out a little bit. Uh, I've got I've got Joel with me as well. Joel Ueli, who's a a man I've known for about six years. Are you, are you there, Joel? Yes, I'm here. I'm driving, but I can talk. All right, that's fair enough. I'll uh, I'll talk to Leon for a little while until until you get settled. And, uh, no, I, and can, I can talk. All right, that's cool. We'll just just jump in when you when you've got something to say. Just jump in, and uh, we'll we'll work it out as we go along. And when we've got um, Lawrence in in Amsterdam as well, but I think he's got plumbers, so he's got workmen in, so he, he might join in later on and uh, and make a contribution that way. But. I, di I didn't set up any topics because I didn't know who was going to turn up because I'm I'm literally uh, making this up as I go along. So uh, it's it's the <laughs> second week, and uh, it'll settle into a format when I know who's going to be regular and who's who's going to going to show up and what kind of things they bring to the table. I'll, I'll figure out a format around the people who do show up. Uh, that's my plan anyway. Which is a little bit improvised, but it should it should work out all right. Given about a month, we should be settled in, I think. Okay. So the only thing I've got lined up lined up is uh, something I found in the Independent, which was just a a piece, an article that I spotted about ten minutes ago, which says that the. Uh, the retail figures for, for September are, are below last year, September, which means that uh, we've got we've probably got something going on we need to keep an eye on in terms of consumer confidence. But I, as far as as far as my expertise goes, that's about as far as I get with it. But it means that it means that people have, have stopped are, are buying slightly less is basically what that means. Uh, which means people are worried about something and understandably worried, I think. All right, we've got we've got Lawrence here as well. So it... and, and how, you know, uh, I I I just want to jump in there, you know, we I'm in the United States, so you know, we we're dealing with the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. And uh, it's amazing how uh that that affects uh buying confidence you know confidence in, in, in buying um people don't know if, if you know if products and services are going to be available uh supply and demand um is impacted as well so if supply chains go dry uh things yeah, there's there's definitely some underlying fear and anxiety going on. I think. 
Which is understandable after 18 months of, of the nonsense we've been going if there's a potential, yeah, if there's, if there's a potential downfall, uh, things things get tight. People get afraid, and, and so uh, it's really up to uh, leadership to optimize people's understanding and to educate you know, what's what's going on and how people can prepare themselves. Yeah, and there's, there's something to be said. For- for the, for, the, for the leadership we've had over the last 18 months as well, which leaves a lot to be desired, I think. Yeah. From yeah, my we, point. Uh, Go ahead, Leah. Yeah, I think the... The leadership qualities of the people that are that are in power is uh, questionable to say the least. They're very good at gaining power, but not particularly good at exercising power. Um, there's, there's certainly some questions to be asked there. Joel, you got any any thoughts about leadership? Uh, how did you get from not shopping to leadership? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure at all. Because all I was still, not shopping. I was still at that not shopping business before you went on to leadership. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. And I was thinking that we need to understand phenomena phenomena deeper than anxiety about or or, or short-term anxiety. We need to understand long-term insight, if you like, of people. And in my opinion, it is the diminishing value of shopping. Not, we should not read it as a problem, but a solution. So, the idea of shopping, to be fair, is overrated. We don't need as much, and we don't need to replace as often, and we don't need to compete with others, and we are okay, thank you very much. Of course, they will try and push on us ever more sophisticated or shiny products. Uh, good for them. But we, the consumers, are not going to be, de- I hope so, are not going to be defined by the producers, but by our innermost authentic being. And as such, the reduction, that was my point, the reduction of shopping ought to be welcomed as a growing insight about the value of, you know, life itself, not products. And if you like relationships, even if you like um, our own happiness, which is not dependent on ever bigger cars. So before we go to leadership, we, which is a red herring anyway, it seems to me, we need to explore ourselves, forever to explore ourselves and each other. Yeah, I can go with that. That's certainly something that uh, that I've been doing for 
for quite a while. And it's uh, it's a very useful exercise knowing knowing who you are. Yeah, I know you you do it. Uh, I think people are easy prey. Okay, speaking of leadership, they uh, are easy to, I suppose, in all spheres of life. They are like children and they have a desire, forever an unsatisfied desire for the bigger and the newer and that which other people have. And it, it is manipulated in all spheres of life. We manipulate each other and obviously trade or business and advertising is manipulative. And so, of course, politics follows suit and will be as manipulative as other aspects of life. Um, so we can't pick on our leaders, but who are our leaders? Are uh, uh, the titans of industry our leaders or our political um, overlords? Are they our leaders or we are our own leaders? Or our, we are the leaders of each other? And so it goes. So the notion of leadership is very obviously interesting. Yeah, I mean, the more people that are leading themselves, the, the better as far as I'm concerned. But uh, for a large percentage of people, they they don't lead themselves, unfortunately. So at yes. least open to manipulation and Machiavelli, Machiavellian schemes and all the rest of it. Yes. So uh, if you want to talk about leadership, I think we should advance the notion of uh, hold on hold on i'm sorry about that okay no worries no worries joe leon are you back with us yes i'm i'm back so i heard what you were saying about leadership um in politics um i don't think Service, so your dad persuaded me, even though I barely drive, 
because we cancelled so many trips with the, uh, Corona and so on. So uh, it's been a bit of a tough one for everyone, I think. Yeah, so it hasn't done much mileage, but your dad. Oh, that's, that's Joel in the background because <laughs> he hasn't muted out. I'll mute it. a lot of miles. It's in between is where you need to be really clear. How to do this? There we go. Yeah, the, the combination yeah, okay. of being led by your own spirituality, I think, is the is a, that is the link. That's kind of where I was going from Academy yeah. through through the consumerism thing. I think that's yeah, how I, I mean, got there. I'm not sure exactly how I got there, but I think that's how I got there. Well, I mean, you, you got the individual. Sometimes we use the term, I know we use the term kingdompreneur, but then there's another term we call consumerpreneur, where you have a person that's always, you know, taking in, taking in, taking in, but not giving out. So you have a person that's, that we as kingdompreneurs market to. You know, we, we want to market to but at the same time, we also want to educate and educate the consumer to also be a, a giver as well. Um, but that that's a high level of of uh, motivation there. You know, I, I, we, we break it into three categories of motivation. The first one is money. Money is a motivator. It's not be too spiritual. Money is a motivator, but that's that's the lowest level um, for us as the second level is education, you know, training, investing in yourself. You, know, you invest in yourself because you want to learn all you can. Then you don't want to stop there. You want to get to the next level, which is being able to serve others. And as you, uh, you, know, you get to that level, I mean, the highest level of, of that leadership. Uh, but some never make it from the first level, which is just making, making money. They never... They never get to that next level of, of making, you know, investing. You know, how many people lose out on opportunities because they haven't invested in themselves uh, uh, to get to where they, I guess, dream about sometimes. You know, people have dreams and visions, but they don't invest. They don't get the training or education or get mentored, get up underneath someone else. Um, how many people miss out on opportunities because they just don't have the confidence within themselves to get to that level where they want to serve others. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember uh, my time at Academy. I got, I got um, invited to, to, to kind of co-lead a, a group called Physician Heal Thyself, and I didn't know what I was doing. I'd, I'd been there about three months, I think, four months at that point, five months maybe, but I'd I'd obviously made made a made myself visible, and I got invited to to co-run this this group. So it was uh, it was all new new material for me. But uh, we built it up to a to a group of three hundred people over the course of the next couple of years, and it was a a pretty good group, even though I do say so myself. But that that came from everybody in that group had the ability to. To motivate themselves, to lead themselves. So, when you've got when you've got a group of forty or fifty active people, 
who are who are capable of, of leading themselves and also capable of of helping other people through the things they've just been through or the things they're going through it uh it makes for a very kind of positive feedback loop that reinforces the leadership for everybody? Well, I mean, I, I love the idea of reinforcing leadership. Um, that's, 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 I love what you said about that. You know, when you, we, we have a saying that if you have enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Um, and uh, sometimes our society kind of misses out in that they to motivate others by helping uh, people get what they want. Um, but uh, we use the example, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to um, But again, that takes a level of leadership. It takes a level of self-motivation um, to be able to see that you're not going to miss out by helping I mean, how many people do you think miss out on opportunities uh, where, where you are right now because they just can't see uh, the greatness in others or see the potentiality in others? I think the true, true act of being a mentor, uh, a play on words mentoring each other's lives. Can you be transparent enough for others to see you, you know, for who you, who you, who you are, and then for others to lead from that, and then to learn from that and take off like front on their back. I have some people in my life, you know, I think if I didn't see how they did it and even see how they messed up, I don't think I'd be where I am right now. So it's not just seeing all the good stuff, you know. It's just seeing how they deal with struggles. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right about that. It's not just the good stuff. It's I mean, when I was at the academy, my 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 my, my apartment was about to be repossessed, <clears throat> and I was in a I was in a bad way in in. Uh, in, a, in terms of my finances, and I was just basically keeping my head above water. And I think a lot of other people in in that particular group were doing the same thing. Nobody was speaking and speaking out about it, but it, but a lot of people were in the same situation. And it, it was interesting to me because I I did because I didn't speak either. I just kept on going and hope I was hoping for the best. And uh, it, it turned out I I ended up having to to move because the, the flat was repossessed. But uh, I, I went I went through it and I, I basically decided that my my mental and emotional health was was more important than the place I was living. And I, that was it was a difficult decision to make at the time. And but it would have meant if I if I tried to fight and hold on to that to that place, it would have meant losing something that I wanted to hold on to. And uh, it, I'm glad I made the decision. Quite honestly, it's taken a long time to to sort things out, but uh, sort things out financially anyway. But uh, it was a, it was the right decision at the time, I think. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Those uncomfortable places. I mean, those tight spaces, uncomfortable places, those places of testing. Um, the Bible talks about in your patience, possess your souls. So your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And how, how many people lose it right there? Um, you know, their emotions get out of out of whack. And sometimes we say things that we can't take back, or we do things where there's a consequence. Then we have to live through that consequence until we come out on the other side. But you know, um, if we grow from it. You know, if we learn from it, we're a better person. We come out on the other side. That that person is what we call sometimes, a, you know, a strong person. But they don't know. <laughs> sometimes they look at a strong person and don't know all the places where they got beat up. You know, had to learn, had to go through trials and tests and temptations, you know, and uh, come out on the other side. It's, it's a testimony of when a person can talk about their experiences and not feel ashamed. But that, that's a level of maturity that we all seek to get to. Um, I had a good bishop, or I had a good pastor. Sometimes he said, sometimes you just got to get through it. You can't talk about it. But hopefully you get to a point where you get through it. Well, you can talk about it from a level or perspective to help somebody else. Um, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's economy, though. You know, economy goes through cycles. You know, I think right now in America, we, we might be hitting a, a cycle where things, things are not looking good in one perspective. But in another perspective, coming out of it, you know, those who are prepared come to come through it. But, it, but again, we're talking about a level of self, self-governance, a level of leadership. Um, I think in the stock market, what is, what is the old saying? Um, buy, buy low, sell high. I think that's what it is. I think that's the same thing in real estate, too. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, we, we're joined now by by um, Freedom Warrior from from the Netherlands. Are you are you with us, Lawrence? My God, they got somebody from the Netherlands. I think he's still got the. Yeah, no. well, yeah. I don't know how I got on this call, but I I know I won't be up at three o'clock in the morning all the time. All right, welcome. Welcome. Um, yeah. Good morning. Uh, we've got we've got Joel and and Leon here. Um, I don't know how much you heard, but we, we we're in, we're talking about um, lead self leadership and and about the the economy. I think more or less, and about the current current situation, but from an economic point of view. Yeah, it's uh, pretty. Uh pretty rough out there nowadays huh? and it's not looking to get a lot better if you look at it so yeah 
and it's true. You know, I've also been doing this with a friend of mine, trying to you know uh, work yourself up and find new ways and and live uh, try to live differently if you can. But it's very difficult if you're so long entrenched in this financial system and the options are there. There is options within the system, but if you try to be a little bit um, more real independent, it becomes uh, quite difficult. <laughs> and uh, you still see that you always need money to uh, even to get a little bit outside of it. At least that's my experience. And, uh, and I was very happy when I was six months without work and I got, of course, some money. I felt a lot better because I felt you, you, there's also a natural rhythm to life. I feel you have your rhythm where you have your nine to five rhythm, and then you have your natural rhythm. And I noticed since I was free that uh, it takes me about five hours to get ready in the morning for my day. And usually when I have a job, I don't have that. As you get up, you have about one or two hours, and then you have to get to work. So yeah, that's what I discovered in all those months. Like okay, yeah, that's why I always feel forced when I have to work. Uh, uh, rushed to get to work and go home. So, yeah, that's my take on it for now. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm slow, slow getting moving in the morning. It's my first alarm goes off at six thirty, and I actually start moving about about now usually. <laughs> so it takes me three hours to even get out of bed. Yeah, but but that's never been taken into account, and I, I guess at some level it's impossible to uh, take everyone's individual's rhythm into account. But if you start to realize, hey, this is not, I don't feel comfortable being pushed to be a certain time here or there. It's a, um, it's a, and that's a struggle on top of having to go to your job. And now I'm lucky that I have all my jobs the last ten years around the house, around the corner of my house, so I don't have to get stuck in traffic or take a bus or a train or. So that's at least one little less stress. Um, but yeah, in terms of the economy, everything keeps getting more expensive. The Netherlands does it very cleverly. They, uh, they, they. I read an article last week that they said that the Dutch economy was getting better, which <laughs> I wonder how that is even possible. But um, anyway, they do it cleverly. The prices are rising here and there, and the insurance is getting up, and the, the taxes is always every year. The tax system is changing. Uh, if you, only if you're a true expert, I know some people, they can tell you what is happening, what is changing every year. And uh, But slowly it's getting more and more and more expensive, housing, food, gas, you know, it's getting up all the time. And uh, the housing is a huge problem, especially in Amsterdam. There's, not, there's a waiting list for 10 years, and that's only if you're lucky to get a house, unless you can buy, but that's... Yeah, if you're young, it's impossible to buy a place. So all in all, it's it's not like if I look at my parents coming up in the say, 1970s, man, Netherlands was a paradise. You can get a house, you can get a car, you can get a job. It wasn't perfect, but compared with today, if you have to start, it's uh, well, not impossible, but it's, it's very hard. Yeah, things things have changed. It is it is a cycle. It's uh, <clears throat> I've I've been through a lot of psych, uh, economic cycles in my time, so I've seen I've seen sort of ten year cycles and fifteen year cycles along the way. We were fourteen years, fifteen years away from the the previous bust. The 
the financial crisis in 2007-2008. So that's a, we're probably on a 14-year cycle this time around. Yeah, I, so think. I think there's there's a, an element of, of of things things just overheat for whatever reason, corruption and and people betting on betting on loans that aren't going to be paid back and whatever. Whatever it is, there's always somebody betting on something. Yeah, it's, there's no transparency in the banking system, and those guys always they uh, they um, manage. I mean, also here with the crisis, yeah, in 2008, I think the government stepped in and they uh, saved the banks. And how far you can save it, I don't know. But and uh, they're still doing well, but a lot of people had a rough time, and looks like it's coming back. Only now, of course, um, now of course with this Corona crisis, uh, it has to be paid back as well. So <laughs> we kind of have to pay for all that damage, and uh, that's going to be the burden also for the next generation, I, I believe. Yeah, there's an element of that. I mean, the interest rates are very, very low at the moment, so there's not not very much interest to pay. But the the amount that we've borrowed will have to be paid back. Uh, which means we everybody pays everybody pays more more in VAT or more in tax somewhere down the line to cover it. So you can't. There's no such thing as a free lunch, is there? So whatever you whatever you're giving out, you've got to take back at some point. Yeah, and uh, of course you had the Brexit. Is that now finally uh, finalised? How's that going? It is. Yeah, it's uh, it all went all kind of went through in January. I think they're, they're still rowing about Northern Ireland a little bit, but apart from that, it's more or less sorted out. The details are still being worked out, as is always the case. Did you were you uh, uh, for this Brexit or against it? If I may ask, um, I was neither because I thought both sides were lying. Mm -hmm. So. <clears throat> The Brexit side was clearly lying, but the Remain side was lying as well. So I just didn't participate in that particular debate. I knew who was going to win. In the conversations I'd had with people, I knew exactly who was going to win. But I, I didn't vote in that particular one. No, yeah, you would think autonomy over your own uh, space is better, but the way things are now run, it doesn't matter, I guess, much who's... Uh if you were independent, of course, I would be very happy if we not partake in the European Union. But yeah, with the leadership we have now, it wouldn't matter much. Yeah, I mean, it's all it all affects it affects consumer confidence. It all it all affects the economy, and it affects and the the whole thing, the uncertainty of Brexit, followed by the coronavirus. It's just like that's six years of uncertainty and, and anxiety mm -hmm. for people to work out. It's six years of arguing with, with your friends about whether to stay in or, or whether to leave. Yeah, it, become, it becomes kind of just background anxiety in the end. Yeah, and it's another division tool again, but like what you now have with the vaccinated people, I, I try not to have discussions with people about it, but sometimes it happens, and uh, yeah, it's just another um, tool of uh, division. And I try to stay out of that. I say, no, look, uh, whatever you 
do is your choice, but I'm not going to fight you over it. You know, there's no, I don't want to fight with anyone. There's no point to, to again be devised on any level. That's not going to help. They've been doing that for thousands of years, and I'm trying to see through the game. And but it's hard, and especially when you have a Brexit where you argue, and and the states was the same thing. Um, there with whoever is the president, it's never good. Uh, families are hating on each other. Uh, you know, and I realize now this is not the way I want to go. I don't want to be uh, in this uh, devi- devised uh, world. We have to, uh, of course, we have. We, there is differences and differences in opinion, but and in the long run, it's always better if we somehow can manage to uh, at least get along in in the most uh, important way, and that is that certain things for us all are important. And if we can see that, I think that will change a lot. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding priorities, I think. Um, do you have any, anything to add to that, Leon? Well, I, I definitely enjoyed the conversation, but I, I, I know that um, relationships play a big, big role in that. Um, we tend to sometimes um, not get the full value of our relationships because we're still trying to grow ourselves. But if, if we can um, begin to see, you know, how we can work together with people, you know, sometimes in business, um, you don't right away see the, the full potential of the relationship until you um, find some type of commonality, some, some place to grow together. I mean, I've been married for 30 years, <laughs> so, you know, there's that sometimes, you know, relationship infatuation phase, but that, that, that doesn't last long. Sometimes in business, you know, some business models get the people excited, you know, some business models get the people excited and they're in it for a little while, but then once they have to settle down and really have to do the work, they lose interest. Know, because they go through this kind of honeymoon stage. And that's why maybe most businesses don't last beyond five years. And if you get to 10 years, it's all bandaged up. You know, you try to figure out when the, how is this all staying together? Um, but really, growing the relationship is, is the real work in business. Um, partnership, uh, whether it's depending on what type of entity, you know, um, how you put together your plan. I, I know in real estate sometimes some, some forget to put an exit plan in place because, you know, you can make a, a lot of money and what is enough? Um, so if there's no exit strategy. But that's that's a relationship. Working together and things are doing good. But then there might be a time you say, well, we need to, you know, on. But that's that's business. But if you develop relationships, you can always venture into new, new opportunities and do different things. Um, it's it's really a model I think that sometimes escapes us. I mean, we we let banks do it. How many banks have merged with other banks? And it looks like their identity was absorbed by the other, 
entity, but they, they still exist. We just don't hear their name. <laughs> they still exist, but under another name. But that's what I was just thinking about. You guys were talking. Yeah, it is about relationships. That's true. I mean, as uh, Krishnamurti put it so well, uh, life is a movement uh, in relationships. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, in, in a general sense, it's, it's pretty much, it's not the same, but it's sometimes the same. I mean, uh, a marriage is different from uh, a business relationship, but it's still a relationship. And Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and what I try to uh, learn now is not to, of course, you have differences and you have to work together and, and see each other's point of view and try to be open. But I just want to learn and try to not get to that level where you get so divided against each other that, that hatred comes out of it or, you know, really, if something doesn't work, it will be good maybe to get away from each other, but not, not with hatred, not with any of this or when you start to uh, argue all the time, you know, so I, I hope that I can find a certain skill. For now, I'm doing quite well, but... Um, uh, yeah, the, the, I think that importance is, if it's about life in general, so to speak, um, that we realize that, hey, some things um, are the same for all of us. And if I, I try to see it from that point of view, well, that makes a change. I mean, you cannot do it in all, all kinds of situations, but um, I try. I mean, to see, like, hey, okay, maybe I don't agree with you, but, you know, health is important to all of us, so um, if you want to do something that's not so healthy for you, okay, go ahead. But general, if we can just come together and say, hey, look, it's important to be healthy, right? For all of us, it doesn't matter who you are. So at least we can agree on that. <laughs> so I try to work uh, things from that angle now, to look at it from the point of view where we can say, hey, this matters, this is important for all. And, a sort, and then it depends, of course, a little bit on the type of topic uh, you're dealing with. In business is another thing, probably, and uh, but yeah, at least that's what I'm trying to do for myself now. So I don't know about you guys, but um, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's long term. It's the important thing. Long, the longer you, in the longer term you think about the relationships, the the more likely they are to be long long term. And it, I think, it's a it it's has to be a conscious thing. It has to be a conscious thing to put work into them, to to be prepared to adapt and be prepared to accept other people's point of view, even even if you're not agreeing with it, or even if you're at the opposite end of the of the spectrum. You've got to you've got to find a way to just ac accept where people are, accept who people are, and once you do that, once I do that, I'm talking to myself. Uh, then it is possible to have a long-term relationship. But until you do that, it's 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 short-term, and the slightest the slightest bit of turbulence is going to knock it off course. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tricky, but I feel also in these times it's so important. You see more division almost every day on every front, and frankly, I got a bit tired of it. Like, how can you run a world where you constantly? have to be fighting with each other it's not now it's, it's not even a nice place to live in that way and yeah for me i realized okay 
only one way to, to fix it. Of course, changing yourself is the first step. To um, There you come back to this idea of self-leadership. Uh, if you change, the world changes. So uh, it might be little, but it is a change. So that's the concept I have in my mind. Like, okay, if I change, then the thing will change too. But you have to constantly also be aware of yourself, be aware of the other, be aware of the situation. And I think seeing some things that are generally important for all of us, if I can put that into the conversation, even though there is something that we disagree upon, we can still say, hey, but at least we can agree on this, right? That some things um, matter for all of us. And I think in that way, maybe you can balance it out a bit. Even if there's a thing you don't agree, you can also balance it with the other things. Hey, look, here's something we can agree on. I mean, and that's what I'm trying at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all it's all a work in pro progress. I think uh, Leon Leon's leaving us now, so thanks for coming in, Leon. I appreciate it. I know it's I know it's the middle of the night for you, so I'd, I'd definitely appreciate you being here. Thanks, man. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you, Dennis. You guys have a great night. Yeah, thanks for joining. Um, are we now? Are we, are we now together, Dennis? Or? Yeah, yeah, we're still, we're still on. Well, it's yeah. Joel, Joel's left temporarily as well. I think he okay. was in the gar He was putting his car in the garage, and then I think he went home, and probably something happened in between. So he's been, he's occupied. But it's so it's me and you for a, for a little while. All right, no worries. Yeah, I was just lucky actually because I forgot to put my alarm, and luckily the the plumber was in front of my door, and then I looked for oh, it's ten o'clock, <laughs> and there's not nine there, but for me it's ten. So it was right on time. So, okay, great. I have to quickly uh, join in here. Yeah, it's fine. It's all. It's just loose. I'm not. I haven't got topics really. I just kind of. I found something about ten minutes before we started, so I thought I'd throw that in to get things moving. But it's only just to get things moving, really. Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, for me, it's also good practice. Uh, uh, I have things to talk about, but there's also a lot of things I don't don't have much to say to say about or it's usually the things that are most on my mind is what's happening the the, the changes on on political and spiritual fronts and uh, yeah I'm afraid we're gonna I don't want to talk too much about politics but generally the the darkness is coming literally because the winter is coming and uh, yeah I feel a bit a little bit nervous what's going to happen then over the next two months because it's uh, yeah there's a lot of tension being put out there and a lot of yeah, people don't see the danger of a lot of things, but if you see through it, it's, it's pretty scary what they're doing out there. So every day it's good to do, do also things that you enjoy like this, having a talk and connecting with people. Yeah, I'm finding it really helpful, quite honestly. It's, uh, it's turning into a, well, it's been a major part of my routine for the, for the last six months or so, more probably. Uh, with, with the Saturday show, but, but particularly with this one, in the last last month or so, I've started enjoying round doing round tables. Now that now that we've got the Sunday show on Pod being established as well, that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good show. I mean, it takes time, but I also learned now from this last half year that whatever you do, you find your group, and I think it's the same in business and all that. You you go out there alone, and then. You meet things that don't work. You meet people that don't match. But then, if you keep going, you you find the people you sync with. Like now, 
with you and the others, uh, Saad Osman and uh, uh, um, the World Action uh, Alliance, Jack, Jack. Um, and so you'll find your group. I, I wasn't even looking for it, but now I realized, like, hey, wait a minute, if you keep going, you, you will finally sync with certain people. It's like at work, at a job, you always find people that you sync with and people you don't sync with so much. And, uh, and it's also the same online. I never had that experience before. I'm like, whoa, okay. So, and now, uh, of course, in the beginning when I came there, there was uh, there was some promotion thanks to uh, Eric. And uh, but a lot of people, I guess, we didn't sync so well. And then I I felt okay, they're they're falling away. But then got replaced by people that did sync with me. So, and the more you go on, the more you will find. And it's like little groups within little groups, really, isn't <laughs> it? Like you find your group and other people find their group as long as you don't hate on each other and be able to see the big picture i think it will work out nice yeah it's a it's a good combination of people as well we've all got slightly slightly different approach so it's like if, if i'm if i'm making a prat to myself somebody will spot it and tell me <laughs> that's what i want really because if i if I open my my mouth and, and rubbish comes out, I want people to tell me. Yeah, exactly. And that's why also I'm not that extremely comfortable on my own shows to do call-ins because uh, I don't feel, you know, I'm I'm equipped to, to deal with people calling in all the time, unless it's people I know. But so that will be something for the future maybe to change. But I just, and the, the show I do basically is more reading the article, so I don't have much time because I'm doing it alone. I don't have much time to check the room and to have conversations about it. Unless upfront I invite someone and say, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about it. But, but it's still progress. You're still learning and finding out what you're good at and not good at. And, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I achieved a little bit for myself and I'm excited to learn more. And now I'm doing this kind of thing with you and, it's also something new, so yeah, I'm quite uh, happy with this actually. Awesome, excellent. That's kind of the idea. That obviously this this show can go on almost anywhere. We can we can with 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 Revolution Radio. It's a place where people speculate. It's a place where people push push speculation to its limits. So I'm I'm not going to limit what we can talk about on here at all. It's just, uh, I mean, on, on my normal shows, I, I might limit what what we do, but uh, on Rev Radio, I'm I'm not going to do that because it's not appropriate for it's a it's a freedom of speech platform, so every everybody can take the conversation to anywhere they want to go on here. Hmm. Yeah, that reminds me a bit. There's something that this is something completely different, but something that always bothers me for people that um, <clears throat> don't look so much into um, the topic of um, World War Two, for instance. I mean, I never knew either. I, I discovered about ten years ago or something when I was listening to different podcasts and uh, reading different articles that this story is so completely different than what is being uh, presented to us. And and you find that most people are so uh, so much in the extreme um, narrative that's out there that it's so confrontating if you tell a little bit of a different narrative and I know how it is because from the first time I met it came across it I was like eh, this can't be true this is a complete lie because I read books about it all the books that are out there and then uh, I discovered well it's slightly different and that's the, generally the thing with history it's, it's 
you know, it's written by the winners and then it's written by the ones who sponsors that kind of history. But the real history is far, far more fascinating and you see that uh, it's very hard for people to open up to these kind of things. Yeah, I, I, struggle, I struggle with quite a lot with opening up to quite a lot of things. So I'm, I'm, I haven't done, I haven't done the World War Two thing as yet. I'm, I'm still getting my head around eugenics at the moment, though. So it, there's, a, there's some parallel stuff going on. But uh, it, I can only do one thing at a time. Course, my brain yeah. doesn't compute more than like if I'm picking one big topic, I have to just do one thing at a time. Yeah, but it's generally not just that. I mean, what are they telling the, out there about English history, for instance, or Dutch history? I mean, they, they're nowadays, they're changing everything, you know, they're trying to make it look like something else. But um, and of course, I saw a good interview with John Cleese and they were talking about this as well. And uh, and he said, you know, I, this stupid black and white thinking doesn't work. And like the, oh, the British Empire, he said, it wasn't all bad. It was bad and good, you know, there's also some good there. but. You know, you cannot just say it's all bad or it's all good. You know, you have to make a little bit of choice there, or a little difference in your mind. Like, hey, wait a minute. This, this, this yeah, there's always good. more. There's always more subtlety than the binary, black and white uh, version. Uh, we're coming up to a, a break for the top of the hour. We've got about four minutes of station announcements. So, all right. Uh, I think the music's going to kick in very shortly, but I'll 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 bring us back when we come come back from the break. All right, hear me. You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. We'll be right back after this message. of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm Steve Crawford, host of Factor Theory Live. Join me every Sunday night from 10 p.m. till midnight Eastern Standard Time on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Check it out. Enter into a world unseen on Raven Star's Witching Hour. You will encounter eclectic topics from the realm of spirit brought into our matrix of truth. With your host, the Solaris Blue Raven, Solaris will bring you an array of unique guests covering topics from ghostly spirits to amazing anomalies, covert technology, UFOs, and shadowy global events. And that's right here at Revolution Radio FreedomSlips.com, Saturdays, midnight till 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Let the magic rise. <laughs> Galactic Interstellar Council on Revolution Radio Studio A, Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern. 
Join us as we traverse the starseed paradigm. As expressed in the time-space continuum that we know as the divine expression of love and light. Integrating this conscious unity into the galactic paradigm. So welcome all, both terrestrial beings and galactic beings as one. So be it. You're listening to Revolution Radio. tried for years and years to use passive resistance and loud voices to make a change. But time is over. Your governments around the world have no other goal than to decimate your entire existence at the hands of the bankers and the elites. The war is coming and it's your choice to decide if you want to be a warrior or a victim denial is not a choice anymore revolution radio freedomslips.com the number one listener supported radio station on the planet not giving up revolution radio Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Okay, welcome back. This is the, the Free Association Roundtable. And uh, you're listening to Revolution Radio. Uh, Rev Radio is listener-supported, so we rely on donations and people giving their time uh, to keep things running. If you if you do have the ability to make a donation, whether it's money or time or, or being in the chat room or whatever whatever it is you can do, we, we appreciate that. And there's a there's a place on the website where you can make a, a monetary donation either as a monthly thing or as a one off thing, which helps to pay for the the bandwidth and the and the server space that we're using. So um, I'm here with uh, with Freedom Warrior from the Netherlands, and uh, we're we're pretty much open on the topic. So, is there anything you you want to talk about in particular? Well, I would I just want to go on where I left off before the break. Um, this uh, I find it fascinating the when you talk about history when you 
uh, what the if you go into um, well, what you would call maybe real history or more um, uh, discovering new things, you know, it's fascinating. It, uh, it's, at least in my experience, it was always the past was always um, sort of um, the history is always painted like it was all bad or uh, you know. Um, Lots of battles, lots of bloodshed, and uh, there's a lot of things they never mentioned. All the beautiful things that happened, and uh, you could, it's not that it's not there, but a lot of it is concealed. Or, of course, schools are, of course, sponsored by the states most of the time, so they they have a bit of a <laughs> foothold in it. But if you, if I was really, if I was taught openly about history, not necessarily this is how it is, but this is this has happened. This is a possibility, and and you keep looking at it. I think then classes would be amazing to go to when that's more like a sort of a discussion than rather stating the so-called facts. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it could be it could be taught in a in a more kind of discussion-based format because you're right in saying that history is always written from the perspective of the of the victor. So I mean, you've got to, you've got, and there's more than one perspective. There's more than one point of view. There's because there's always more, more than two people involved in a in a war, or more than two people involved in a situation. Yeah, and it's very fascinating now because <laughs> we have got so many immigrants who came here and that are now third or th second or third generation, and they have a different view, of course. I mean, you as a as a born and bred Dutchman would normally have a pretty good view of Dutch history, but when you talk to some of these people, it's like, uh, I literally, one guy mentioned to me, like, um, about Dutch history, saying, yeah, uh, the Dutch were the biggest slave drivers ever. <laughs> like, well, wait a minute, that's a bit of a broad statement. And it's interesting to see how they look at it, like, okay, they only take the negative aspect out of it, and, and we mostly took only the positive aspect out of it, which is also not completely true, obviously. So, <laughs> It would be very much more interesting, especially nowadays, to have a more um, open look at it. So let's look what was good, what was bad, and then how can we move on from that? You know, that would be a very interesting approach. Yeah, to to do that, you have to decide what's good and what's bad, really, don't you? Yeah, for sure. Some kind yeah. of value system to make the judgment based on. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, it's the, but it's the same with uh, like a mentioned with England when the, with the whole uh, British Empire you know it's 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 not all bad but it, yeah it's a brutal thing and it, uh, I mean it was force and then the American Empire uh, went came after that basically took over so to speak I think but um, yeah I mean that's the same thing there I think if you talk to uh, immigrants or migrants in England they will also say yeah English is the, the worst the worst people ever the English Empire is the worst period ever. They would probably say something like that, I guess. Well, money Brits probably would say, no, it wasn't that bad. I guess, I have no clue, but I'm guessing here. Don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really have an, an opinion on the British Empire, to be honest with you. I think it, the countries expand and contract, and it's just a, it's a normal part of what, what countries do. It's uh, we we got a we got a following wind, and we we expanded out as far as we could go with the following with the wind until until you hit resistance, and then you've got to rethink it a little bit. It's the same it's the same with everything. You 
the growth happens and then you hit you hit a resistance point and uh that resistance point is a different perspective on the growth isn't it mm -hmm. oh yeah for sure yeah that's a good point uh, but the question is is it for me the question would be is it natural is it the natural thing or is it a manipulated thing because of course where power comes there comes huge forms of corruption obviously but um so you know, yeah we go they, so then the next question is corruption natural yeah that's a good is it a natural part of of being a human to to be to to pay bribes and take bribes to to arrange for an extra bit of payment to come in from a in a route that doesn't get declared mm -hmm. all of these things happen all the time so how can they how can they not be natural yeah true it's only when you see through it but yeah once you get detached from everything i can imagine if i was a multi multi billionaire living a way uh, financially and and physically and in all kinds of ways way above the rest of the society yeah you lose grip you know you you live in the cloud so to speak and you can do whatever you want and your 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 heart and mind is completely um, detached in, in certain ways from the rest and then you don't um, identify with that anymore and yeah, it goes pretty deep. It's all. Um, um, I'm not. I don't think it's it's naturally in the sense that you're born with it. But I think it happens when you move along in life and you you come, become comfortable and you get more and you get more here and you can get a little bit more there. And look at football players, for instance. Like, how much is enough? Forty million a year, fifty million a year. It's, it never stops. And you think so? Yeah. It, it has to do again with awareness and perspective and, and feeling, I guess, when we're living too much from the head and too little from the heart, I suppose. Yeah, fi well, finances is definitely a head thing, isn't it? So, but it's not just it's not just people on 40 million. If you if you were a, a, a guy who's working, working for the for the, some kind of government office in in Africa or South America or wherever, just using those as examples and people need the paperwork to do what they need to do if they come into the country on business or they're exporting something or whatever it is the opportunity is there to to add an extra 10 percent on as a bribe as a as a pay as an extra payment if you're feed, if you're trying to feed your family on a on a limited amount of income and you've got the option to add 10 percent to the government paperwork you're going to do it aren't you yeah sure yeah <coughs> that's true but uh, it's always i find it a hard discussion because they tell you uh, especially here like yeah but things are so well arranged in the Netherlands. We, we, we cannot complain yeah that's true to a certain level but there's still lots of things that are not correct you know okay we're our lives are far more comfortable than say living in uganda for sure and we are aware of it but that doesn't mean there are still things that are not not good and there's still things that are are damaging you know what 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 are they well you know i mean obviously uh, there's the, the the prices that are going up all the time there's uh, uh, there's no transparency in politics at all um, in in banking um, yeah there's there is definitely things to be addressed and, and they're, they're not being addressed and, and 
people just going along. I don't. I never. I mean, I'm happy I can have a, a house and I can pay my bills, but yeah, we are not. We're not okay. We're not in survival mode. That's that's the great advantage, and and I think that also makes a difference. If you can, if you can change, if you can be aware of that, then you can change much more in the world in general. But yeah, I find it like yeah, a, a little bit too easy to constantly mention like oh yeah, you've got nothing to complain about. That's also not completely true. Of course, we are aware that you are a step step up. But within this financial bubble, you eventually will suffer it at some point, like we already had in 2008. And how much longer can you go on if you look at the states with the trillions upon trillions of debt? I mean, that doesn't look good. I hope you don't mind me saying, uh, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, you you strike me as a as a very intelligent man, person, but you pitch at uh, reality or at events or at society at a low level, as most people do. When I say low level, I mean, if you like, the level of appearance or the level of manifestation or the level of finance or the level of politics or however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that conversation uh, ought to be, in my opinion, as I said, we are all intelligent and it ought to be more intelligent than to say the sort of things you said, which are not untrue. Uh, the problem of the things you said before is not that it's wrong, but it is obvious. And so what I say, there are some, of course, there are so many problems and forever will be, and the march of progress or history is slow. And bit by bit, in the long run, it seems to me we are sorting things out. But yes, in the short term, there remain and perhaps will increase because of levels of complexity, uh, endless things we could pay attention to. So the question is, what should we pay attention to? Should we pay attention to the sort of things you mentioned? Which is fair enough, I'm not against it. But it seems to me, and I repeat what I said when I apologize to you again, there is an amazing gap between your ability and what you take interest in. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, I'm not shy of criticism, it's good to learn. Um, yeah. So, how how do you uh, how do you see it? And what what I'm just gonna take your uh, point of view from it now. Well, I'm a bit a bit philosophical. I'm not a philosopher, but I learned from it a little bit uh, to to raise my gaze, if you like, and to abstract more and to generalize or universalize, and to go beyond the level of manifestation to the level of thought or concept or idea or however you put it. And it strikes me straight away, given that you both dwell in the realm of economics, that there are two, it's very simplistic, but uh, let's start there. There are two levels at which we could, if you like, pitch 
in economics, itself very low level, uh, as Marx, uh, anyway. And one is income and the other is expenditure. And a lot of income, sorry, a lot of politics and a lot of sociology and a lot of uh, charity goes into income. And it is fascinating that idea that and absolutely just that people who earn less should earn more, and perhaps people who earn so much should earn less, perhaps through redistribution. But what struck me all my life is expenditure. In other words, the transformation in the 20th or 19th, 20th, 21st centuries of humans into consumers. And the uh, which spilled its way into politics so that the, the, the very idea of raising income is in order for people to spend more. Now, it sounds to me that my aim in life is to spend less. And I would like to believe that any intelligent person would see through the nothingness or the valueless of anything that people buy. I appreciate that it adds to our comfort. I appreciate the minimum standards of living. I appreciate Maslow's hierarchy. I appreciate all these things. But at the end of the day, uh, it seems to me it's a senseless uh, status sort of competition to keep up with the Joneses, as they say here in Britain. And that the, it's like little kiddies who want that which shines more. It's like the American Indians who sold Manhattan for a necklace or, or whatever the, the legend uh, says. And it seems to me politics, if I understand it correctly, should not be about raising incomes. Regardless of income, okay, raise, not raise, it should be lowering expenditure. But of course, expenditure is what the whole system depends on. In other words, economics is merely a system that demands consumerism. The More often than not, a crisis like 1987, like 2008 or whatever, all these crises in the end were saved by, as they used to say, the American consumer. And they said it with pride. And now the Chinese consumers. In other words, the whole system depends on us buying things. If we buy things, then more jobs are created. Then employment rises or unemployment lowers then governments are voted in because they secure jobs for the people. I mean, okay, fine, if people want to work, I heard you before talking about work and I fully sympathized with what you say. I'm sorry I didn't join in, I was on the bus, but I, I don't want to work. Don't want to work. I, I do want to do what I like to do, but the idea of work is so strange in the way it got entrenched. We all have to do certain things. The economy, uh, sorry, the, the, the infrastructure needs to be maintained in why I, I appreciate all that. I'm not a fool. 
But the universal idea of work is absurd, has never been possible to attain. There has always been and always will be, in fact, there will be increasingly, because of automation, never mind all the policies and transparency and all these things, because of mere progress, there will be no need for human beings, or shall we say the vast majority of human beings will not need to work. In fact, they never needed to. And in order to maintain the things that are used to rationalize why we all work, the idea of universal employment is absurd and has always been absurd. And so, however, people want to work. Why do they want to work? Beats me. But uh, that is one of the things we need to discuss. Presumably because they want to be consumers. So, we have to go to, go to root cause. The definition of humanity by what we have, rather than by what we are, or who we are, or what we are. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, well said. Um, uh, I have a good friend who is also very much uh, on topic of what you are saying. He is not working. Um, <laughs> he lives at home still, but um, yeah, he, he he's kind of saying what you are saying too. You know, this, uh, all this absurdity of uh, having to go to work, and he calls all these people living in their houses with all that things. He calls them people living in chicken boxes and. Uh, and he said, I cannot stand this life, living in the cities that way. And yeah, it's true. It's, it's, it is a consumer-based uh, uh, economy that we live in. And, and I, also, I also phrase it like this uh, in the sense that I don't like jobs. Work is something, work can be anything. You can clean your house, can be work. You can sweep the street, it can be work. But a job is, is always the thing I never liked. Like, oh, I have to go collect my paycheck and have to do things I don't really care for. And uh, I never liked it. I never felt comfortable with that either. And, uh, and the whole five day going to a job, uh, four days, even three days, uh, I don't really care too much about it. But you have to sustain yourself for a while. But um, yeah, that, that's, I guess that only can change if you, like you mentioned, make that transformation within yourself to, to um, get the right perspective on it, I suppose. And if, if you can do that, then it, it, there might come and change, I feel, uh, if I got, uh, got your message correctly. Yeah, um, we are all dupes. Uh, we complain about leadership, okay, but essentially we get the leadership we deserve and essentially leadership follows, vo is vox populi, it uh, reads via polls or nowadays or whatever, uh, it senses, it smells what people will vote for, what they want, what they like. And the Romans got it 2,000 years ago, right? All people, it sounds terrible, it, it sounds degrading to us, not very complimentary, but all people want is food and entertainment. That's what the Romans said, bread and circus. Yeah. Or gladiators, and nothing yeah. essentially 
changed. It's not because people are stupid. People are not stupid, but people are duped. They are easily led, far too easily uh, bribed because they essentially are immature. They are all psychologically retarded or emotionally retarded. I excuse my, pardon my language, <laughs> But they never grow up. I say they, I could say we. Okay, yeah. I don't mean to look from above on anyone. I am the same as everyone else. But human beings are so easily uh, following desire that in, I'm a psychologist. So in my field, as recognizably in many fields, the idea of desire uh, has raised its ugly head over the last, I don't know, 100 years as the main epitome of what being human is. We are our desires. Now that strikes me as very infantile. I'm not my desires. I'm my, if you like, my thought or my, my um, ability to converse with other human beings. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I, 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 I don't care about my desires. I care about whether people Anyway, never mind me, but it is said, and I'm sure perhaps it's not universally the case, but it is said again and again and again by in, in very respectable places that desire, 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 desire. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, I agree with that, yeah, for sure. And, and I guess it became easier with all these uh, tools they have now, the phones and uh, everything to mislead you and make life more comfortable for you and and yeah more easy to get all you want all your desires by just tapping on your phone you can order food you can find a date you know it's definitely playing in on that level on that human level which is maybe the lowest level i don't know but yeah that's definitely a good point definitely something to look at and to realize within yourself like hey is this all we are is this <laughs> are we that easily being fooled yeah I guess you're right. It's, it's true. You just put something in front of a human being. Oh, that's nice. Let me let me get that without any thought, without any understanding in most cases. And that's where you also have these discussions now in society where one is on the left and one is on the right. Because, you know, you just, I guess also there's a part of in something in you that desires that outcome. So you follow that instead of what you truly can be or yeah, and there's also no attention being paid on it in school, in schooling or anything. So how is one to develop into a, a real human being without being a consumerism, in, in consumer, stuck in consumerism or in, uh, in all this uh, world of finance and, and uh, the, the shiny things, as you said. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, the, shiny thing, it, the shiny thing then becomes the, the world without consumerism, though, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Say, say, yeah, say it again, Dennis. Um, I'm just being a bit facetious, that's all. I was just saying the, the desire then becomes the world without desire. Oh, you're being facetious. Uh, <laughs> no. The, idea it, 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 
it will get complicated or, or metaphysical or whatever. The idea is to think about desire, not uh, to look at it as desiring not to desire. That, that would miss the fundamental idea of the meta, uh, the, the, the reflection upon concepts. So you take a concept like desire and you ask yourself, you unpick it, you break it down, you reflect on and you ask yourself, what is? And if you think about it enough, it dissolves, arguably, because I dare to say there is no such thing. I don't desire anything, nor does anyone. It is as they say, object precedes desire. We live in a system that dates back many years, I suppose, in which a big discovery was made that reality or, or something outside us triggers something inside us. It's almost like Skinner used to say that input triggers a response that stimulation we are we can easily because we have two trillion synaptic connections or whatever we can easily be manipulated to have a neurological movement inside our brain that discovery uh, evolved to a system of capitalism in which we are easily shaped because of our predisposition to respond uh, hardwired, if you like, we are we can be shaped to anything. We essentially lack a fundamental nature. So we are creating our nature, or someone else, or the system is our creator forever. And so people don't sufficiently understand it. They think they are the agent. They think that the consumer dictates the production. They don't understand that consumerism is a reaction to production. Yeah, of course, if you study economics, which I haven't, of course, there are two-way sort of relationships between supply and demand and all the rest of it, no doubt. But fundamentally, human beings can be shaped into anything. And so that big discovery has to be uh, owned up to, has to be understood, has to be reflected upon, uh, so that we realize that we are enslaved by our very disposition because of how lovely and how intelligent and how receptive and how reactive and how uh, whatever uh, responsive we are. We need to uh, accept that we are not the agents of our behavior and it's not our desire that dictates our behavior but it is simply that someone evoked our desire our desire did not exist yes there was a potential for it but then again there was a potential or there is a potential for so many other things so the system, if you like, becomes the object of thought. We must think about um, the system and the possibility of other systems. What, what else is new? 
other systems that will stimulate us to something else, not to consume. And to accept that we are not the drivers of history. We are driven, if you like, by history. No, our leaders, by the way, I don't think that the leaders are that clever. I think they're even stupider than us. I just said before we are intelligent and I'm prepared to say in so many ways we are so stupid. But the level of leadership at all levels, uh, industry and, and commerce and politics is very stupid. It's very low level. And it's not they who drive history. History is driven by the system alone, whatever that means. And essentially about this idea that humans can be made to respond to anything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly true that uh, the, the slightest 30, sec, 30 seconds of, of uh, soap powder with a with a a big name emblazoned on it over the course of course of a TV show that certainly is evidence that that people can be molded um, and and the obviously the the education system molds people parents mold children. It's a, but that's a that's that's a, a normal kind of part of development, I think. It's uh it depends whether you whether you accept the, the molding or not. If you're resistant to the molding, uh, the people who are resistant to being molded tend to be pushed to one side. Do we do we have time, Dennis, or not? Yeah, we've got half an hour, Joe. Oh, oh, it's still 11. Sorry, I wasn't sure. Okay. So, uh, well, you and I had numerous discussions. Um, the basic idea or understanding in society is the opposite of what I said. Namely, that human nature is unmoldable. And as a result, criminals some criminals emerge and some psychopaths emerge and some uh, people who will never uh, be molded. Uh, and there is this idea that the hardcore of society, or if you like the periphery, tell us something profound about our nature, namely that, that Hobbes articulated very well that unless we strengthen society and unless we support the teachers and unless we support the parents uh, and so on, all these agents of socialization, nature will rebel and nature will be our downfall, our own nature, which if not civilized, will reveal itself in avarice and, and, and uh, gluttony and, and uh, all the seven deadly sins and we will all go, go to hell, uh, down to hell and with us the planet. Whereas the idea, if you like, I make it very simplistic, is not that. People are wrong all the way to very clever people like Darwin and like Freud and the very clever people. They are all, there. I, the little ones say, they are all wrong at the level of ideas. 
In other words, all that ever happened in history and all that ever happens in human life is that we are, as you said before, Dennis, ever so moldable. So the psychopath and the criminals and the insane and the schizophrenics and so on are not the product of a resistance to molding, but a result of over-molding. It's a very strange idea that most people refuse to entertain because they persist in the belief that nature is so powerful that society needs to work harder and harder and harder with machines, with robots, with whatever, with, with coercion, with advertising, with endless such things, in order to eradicate the, those aspects of society or humanity or human nature that are still uh, hold sway to nature and not to the benevolent forces of civilization or Christianity or the West or democracy or, or whatever. Rather than, which is a very difficult thing to persuade people, rather than see, I repeat myself, that history always has been the result of uh, being almost uh, a priori being influenced. Before you open your eyes, before when you are a baby, when you emerge from the womb, uh, in your dreams, you always respond to forces outside yourself, not to your own nature. Your own nature remains elusive throughout one's life. And one is forever the creature of other forces that shape us. Now, that's a big, big debate, that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a discussion I've been having with you for several years. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm still having it inside my own head at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm coming around much more to the environment shapes people than I used to be, but I'm still not, I'm still not 100% there. No, it's pretty difficult. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, what you've been saying uh, is uh, very much in line with uh, when I was uh, listening to Krishnamurti or read his books. And uh, <laughs> he talked about this for so many years, saying, uh, you know, pointing out that you are not that, you know, you are, you are not your desires, you are not, uh, you know, all of those things. But it was, it's still kind of hard to get really get to that level. To, of understanding, say, so, hey, wait a minute. It's good that you pointed out again. I, I also forgot about that. That uh, definitely you are shapeable, and we are being shaped all the time. If you just watch, if you go into a supermarket, how they <laughs> studied this kind of behavior. They're putting things in front, you know, things that you people want. You walk into this, oh, that's nice. I'll buy it. Or uh, there's a discount here. There's a discount. There are all those little trivial things they know how to manipulate you already. And then you're just only talking about the supermarkets. On, on what level and the way they put lighting and all that, there's a whole level of uh, manipulation and knowing how to uh, mold you already on that level. And that's just buying food, you know? So on that level alone, you're already being shaped and without without being, without being you noticing me. So that that is definitely true that uh, there's a huge level and there's not, 
we don't really live from the from a deeper part of ourselves. That's true. We're constantly letting decisions being made and following it and feeling that we have no choice in it and uh, just going along with it and um, and uh, and thinking, ah, we'll choose now this part or we'll choose that part and uh, yeah. It's, it has been the same cycle we've been stuck in for so long. That's definitely true. But how how does one change that? That's that's the big question. Well, before we implement or execute, or, or how does one change? Obviously, the way to change is to recognize and to acknowledge uh, sincerely and authentically or whatever. Change is not that difficult. Change is inherent, as Heraclitus pointed out. Change is inherent in life or history. Change happens all the time. The question is where or in what direction, not whether we change. So. The issue is not how to change. The issue is that we are changed by all those manipulations that you pointed out. Mm -hmm. And so the answer is how do we change is to recognize that that already takes place, whereas whilst telling us that we drive it. Uh, to why is it so if people say it's difficult to change why is it so difficult to change because you will have to recognize that you are not yourself that there is no you that is a big psychological threat on humans that they always already are a product of change from forces outside themselves to the extent that they don't exist notwithstanding their genes notwithstanding their neurons or their, or their temperament or personality or whatever it is that nature versus nurture holds. And uh, the, way to the way to change is to acknowledge the change is all there is and that therefore it, it becomes very easy. Uh, you just if you like, the, the question is the opposite, how to resist change, you know, how to put the brakes, how to say no, how to recognize it. it you, you understand what I'm saying? It, it's the question becomes its opposite. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I follow a lot of that. Yeah. It's um, a thing I've also been looking into for a long time and sometimes you you get it more than other times, a little bit less, and then you move along again with your <laughs> your daily routines. And but yeah, it's a constant work to to uh, to be aware of that. I guess once you, I what I get from that kind of thing is once you're really fully aware of it, it's it ceases basically. If you really fully see the whole mechanism of how it works, then it stops for you. Ah, I guess that's what it comes down to. Sorry, I had a phone call superimposing itself on me. You fine, Joel? Someone was trying to mold me. <laughs> uh, it happens. I've, I've been, because I've been acknowledging this a lot more, I've been thinking about the way to, the way to deal with 
Uh, not necessarily this particular situation that we're in, but if, if a situation is to is to set up the environment so that the natural process of change from that environment emerges. So wherever you are, you're always if you're always going to be influenced by the environment, then the key to getting the change that you want to happen is to set up the environment in a way that produces the thing that you want to happen. So stop worrying about forcing things to happen psychologically and start looking at it from the environmental perspective in terms of what, where you're living and the people you're spending time with, not, not the climate or anything like that. Uh, but you, can, you could do it by, by moving to the top of a mountain or moving in, into a into a wood somewhere, that's that's a, as, just as much a change of environment as just changing the people you're spending time with. So whatever whatever process you put in motion, if if the environment is a major factor, which I think it is, uh, even though I've been resistant to that for years, then rearranging your environment is a way of setting the direction of change that you want to happen. So I think that and, that, and that makes it easier because you can then see what you've done and what you haven't done to produce the, to, to produce the, the next step in the process. Yeah, but isn't that then also um, not uh, going from desire or is it then, is it then a natural you that, that is going out there and uh, be, of course, an environment has a huge impact, that's for sure. But um, if you say, okay, I'll step out of it, I'll go live in the woods, is, is that then not a desire to, or is that really your natural using? Hey, I see through the game. I, I don't uh, want to be molded by this society or this thing. Is, is that then the natural you going out? Or is it desire saying, I don't want, uh, I don't want consumerism? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, if there if there is if there is somebody called Dennis who actually exists outside of the context of the the thing I call Dennis, mm -hmm. then uh, then then I would have some kind of intentionality and some kind of agency. But if there isn't, then I'm a product of the environment, and uh, my environment then becomes me in effect. It becomes an expanded definition that includes the space around me and the people around me and the ideas that I'm thinking about and the, the words that I'm using and and the food that I'm eating and, and all the all the rest of those things become become the definition of me rather than the physical body that is me. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty uh pretty uh, interesting look at it, yeah. True. Yeah, you are indefinitely. You are bound to to environments, and um, and and, uh, and and certain environments are created, of course. And, uh, that you would go have to go back to a more uh, natural place, then to be connected, maybe more to your natural self, then in a way. If I get it right. Yes. Uh... Well, well I, I, I don't have an answer, but it seems to me that we need each other. 
And the, there is an irony or, or maybe a, an added complication that through the other we can connect to ourselves. And that this idea that we can connect to ourselves merely by being ourselves maybe is unproductive. Maybe. I say it tentatively. And so the value of conversation and the value of relationship uh, seems to be under uh, appreciated. I know teenagers like all this relationship business, but most people sort of, because of the system, aim or, or become ever more self-sufficient. And it is almost looked upon as weakness, uh, as dependency to, to, to be so... Uh, invested in relationships with others. Uh, and I, I don't know, it seems to me that the road to self goes through the other. Yeah, in many ways, yeah, especially psychologically. <laughs> I mean, if you have a partner for a long time, you have a lot of challenges and you will, you and the right partner will point out a lot of things about you. So definitely you can learn through relationships, and as Krishnamurti pointed out, life is a is a movement in relationships. So it's, you're always in relation to something. So yeah. So yeah, that's definitely true. But in and 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 how far you need the others, I'm I'm not sure. But we're definitely not so much. Uh, humans are definitely have a tendency to. Uh, get together and have a need to share. I mean, I can have wonderful experiences on my own, but I always love to share it with someone so that someone can, I don't know, there's a need to share it somehow, I feel at least. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Mm. No, it's funny, you mentioned uh, Krishna Merti, so I, my wife popped in and I told her, you know, he's, you're not the first. People have told me, and I never read him, but people have told me over the years about Krishnamurti. And what was her response? He's a bit dated now. <laughs> As yeah. <if> things, <laughs> she said, he's 80s, you know, the way people talk about musical styles. Nowadays, yeah. everything, that's 80s, that's 90s, that's 70s. Yeah, it's true. I also find it, uh, I, I, there's still a lot of value in what he said, a lot of value, but I think the wording, the phrasing he used, it became a bit difficult for, for people to get into it. And I still struggle with it, but uh, yeah, I think it, it has aged a bit, that's true. But there's still a lot of truth in it. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I hold things eternal, not, not uh, belonging to this decade or, or that decade. Anything of value is of value. But I, I appreciate what you say that language and so on makes a difference. Yeah, that's that also changes. And of course, uh, he also sell, himself mentioned, you know, that uh, you have to do it yourself. Uh, yeah, he, I'm a guru. I'm not. I'm not teaching. You know, so I'm not also sticking on one person. But it was just someone who was quite clear and quite right about a lot of things, but it's not like, oh, I'm sticking on one teacher. It's just when I was listening to the conversation, it just reminded me a lot of uh, what he said. And uh, to go in within and go really to the depth and to really analyze it for yourself. And then uh, then it will stop. 
when you see all the the when you realize and see all the madness, you stop. That's what he said. You know, it's like when you see danger, uh, when you really see and feel danger, you stop it. You get away from it. So it all comes down to a, to yourself and a deep understanding of things and pers- perspective. And that was what he was saying a lot of a lot of the times. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of Krishnamurti as well. From, yeah, uh, from a while back, there's some there's some good material on YouTube. Uh, some conversations with Niels Niels Bohr, I think, mm-hmm. uh, about uh, qu- quantum quantum level stuff and spirituality, which I think everybody was doing in in the 1980s. But they did a very good job of of expressing it. Yeah, he has also had a beautiful interview with him with a Christian scholar. I watched it many times. It's really great what he what he mentions there about uh, about all this uh, organized religions and thoughts and and uh, and fear and and I always love the fact that he mentioned what we were mentioning now that he said when you come out of um, the school you already lost, you know, the, 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 this is again this molding idea when you're uh, by the age of ten, he said you're already lost. You know, <laughs> there's you're you're completely molded already. Basically, that's what he was saying. So, yeah, once the system's got you, it's difficult to to break out of it. But uh, but people do still manage to do it. Yeah, luckily, I mean, it's not it's not like you're it's it's a your. Um, Control forever. There is a there is a point of observation where you can realize, hey, this is not uh, the way it should be, or this is not the natural way. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes years, but but uh, if you if you if we go with with setting the intention, which is one of my things, if you set set the direction and set the intention to to have clarity about the system, then you. The clarity will find you, and you don't need to go for it necessarily. Yeah, it's it works on an energetic level, I guess. You know, if on what you what you put out comes back, and if you have you come into the realm of intention, indeed, like if you truly have that intention, you must draw it in from somewhere. That's what I feel, and that's also a lot of times where. Fear comes in. Fear stops that. Like you, you, you don't dare to do it, or you don't dare to question it, and 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 therefore you cannot make progress within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. We've got about three minutes left. So, uh, Joel, have you got anything else that you want to say before we close up? You still there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Um, what is to say? Um, I don't know how to say it. Um, human beings are so wonderful. And I always say that, don't I? And especially you two. Um, and yet, even you will descend into, if you like, a political discourse or economic discourse. And so it's worrying. The how um, 
why discourse or, or conversation drags us down. I, I need far more than three minutes to develop this point. Uh, given that humans have got no nature, it seems to me the responsibility therefore lies on the discussion. Uh, but we can take it further next week, I suppose. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be plenty of time to develop all of these things, Joel. We've got, uh, uh, yes. we've got many hours ahead, probably. Yes. Yeah, these are great topics. Do you want to tell people where you are on the internet so people can find you? Well, I'm still doing my um, The World Gone Mad podcasts on uh, Podbean uh, almost daily. And uh, I try to also get some more things that I find uh, um, very um, interesting to do that because I'm I'm only doing the political side because it's uh, something uh, I find rather absurd. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. The 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 world gone mad uh, on Podbean now every day, and uh, and uh, hopefully in the future there will be new things. But that's where I am. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up at that point because the music will be coming in shortly. So thanks thanks for coming, both of you, and thanks to to Leon for being here as well. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, yes, it'll be good. Here. It'll be good fun for everybody, I think. Uh, thanks for coming in, guys. I'll speak to you in, be in between, probably. I'll speak to both of you in between, but I'll see you next Tuesday, uh, 4 a.m. Eastern it is, but 9 o'clock UK time. Yeah, it's uh, 10 o'clock here for me. Yeah, that's okay. clear. Uh, Revolution Radio. Uh, that's it. Thanks, thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Thank you, Dennis. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given right, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. 
the world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point on Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. This is Jim Fetzer inviting you to join me on The Raw Deal, Revolution 